Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. Uh, Well, good morning again to everyone. As Will said, this is Reformation Sunday. This is a special occasion that we do each year here at TCPC and churches uh, that consider themselves the Reformed churches throughout the world. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with this tradition, uh, this is our yearly remembrance of when the free grace, the picture of Jesus Christ is presented in the gospel, that there was a time in world history where that message was lost. And of course, it wasn't lost out of Scripture. It's just that the church was no longer preaching that. And through the work of Martin Luther and others, the message of freedom in Christ, that is, our relationship is found in Him and faith in Him alone, that message uh, was re-preached in what we uh, declare now as justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone is the heartbeat of this movement. Now, I have chosen this morning for our Reformation Day uh, Sunday passage, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I think we could preach justification by faith alone anywhere in Scripture, but I'll let Luther himself give you the reason why I have chosen uh, this book and this passage. And I have several Luther quotes this morning because they are just priceless. This one about the book of Galatians. Luther said, The epistle to the Galatians is my epistle. To it, I am, as it were, in wedlock. It is my wife. That's kind of a strange way of describing a book of the Bible. Men, I don't suggest that you uh, describe uh, your your wife to a book of the Bible, but it is an emphasis upon the reality that Luther loved this book and the message that came from this book, and that is what we find, that there is freedom in the person of Jesus Christ. So here is my prayer for us this morning. May God give us the supernatural joy in Christ with the freedom he purchased for us on the cross. That's the proposition for today. May the Lord give us supernatural joy that can only be found in him. So again, I've entitled this sermon simply Freedom uh, because that's what is ours in Christ. If, if you're a note taker, I have three questions this morning I'm going to aim to answer from this passage. Uh, first, what is Christian freedom? Secondly, how is freedom achieved? And then thirdly, why is this freedom so important? What is Christian freedom? How is it achieved? And why is it so important? So we're going to jump right in. First, what is Christian freedom? Verse 1 gives us a great wordplay in what the Spirit is communicating to us this morning. It's done so to draw our attention, to make us yearn uh, for how this affects our lives. You'll notice in this very first phrase... Both the noun and the verb are the same word, and that is freedom. Essentially saying, 
It is for freedom that Christ freed you. And this obviously causes us to beg the question, well, what is this freedom that Christ has given to us? I don't know if there's a more important question for us to ask on Reformation Sunday or any other Sunday than that. What is this freedom that is ours that Jesus gave to us? And you know, when you think about just this word freedom as we experience it in the English, there's something about that word that every one of us really, really likes. Wherever you are in the world, you're hoping for more freedom, more freedom, not less freedom. Our American society is built upon the ideal of freedom. And whenever we hear that word, it does invoke ideas of celebration and laughter and peace, kind of the 4th of July all the time. But it raises the question, what does Paul have in mind here? What is the Spirit communicating to us about this freedom? As I've studied and wrestled with the Lord this week, here's the way I define Christian freedom. I think it's what Paul is getting at. It's this. It's the enjoyment of life which God has made possible exclusively through faith in Jesus. The enjoyment of life which God has made possible exclusively through faith in Christ. That is, it is not enough just that we know Jesus. It is not enough just that Jesus has been revealed to us, even though as great as that is. But what God has for us is that we enjoy the gift that the Lord has given to us. It's one thing to agree, it's something else to love. You see, Christian freedom is different than secular freedom. Worldly freedom would say, you're free to do whatever you want to do, anytime you want to do it. That's not what this is about. If you read through the rest of Galatians 5, you look at verse 13, we see that our freedom in Christ is our new ability to love and to serve God and others. And that's when Christ is our first love. But I really believe this morning that the heart of freedom in Christ is actually what has been burning deep inside of our hearts our entire lives. I think every one of us desire the satisfaction that comes when our lives are filled with freedom that only Jesus can give. You see, as human beings, we are made in God's image. We are made to enjoy what he has given to us. We are made to enjoy the creation that he has given. We all long to enjoy every single moment of every single day, to be fully alive with passion and zeal for that which will constantly satisfy our souls. We all want that. And we know in our mind and our gut that God has designed us to enjoy what he has provided for us. So this idea of freedom makes perfect sense. And Paul's declaration that we are free thus means God's desire matches our desire. What we want in our heart is freedom to enjoy is exactly what God desires to give every one of us. You know, Lisa and I actually had a conversation this weekend. Uh, it's two, weeks from, two months from today is Christmas Day. We actually had a conversation about a Christmas gift. And it did dawn on me as I was thinking about the sermon. The question was, do you think our son would like that? And the answer was no, he probably wouldn't like it. But our heart was, we want to buy something that he actually will enjoy. Meaning we want our desire to match his desire. Do you see this morning what Jesus has for you does that very thing? 
What you most want is the very thing that he has provided. So you see, we have a whole new life. We have a free life. You know, it does also beg the question, if this is what our new life in Christ is, this freedom that we have, it it makes us wonder, what was our old life all about? You know, theologians say that we were born into triple slavery, if you will, just like the passage from Genesis 6 that Tina read for us. It, It reminds us that our hearts are sinful at birth. If you think about this triple slavery, one, we're born into sin. It's all that we know. It's all around us. Secondly, we are destined to die if apart from Christ, to be removed from his love for all of eternity. But then also without Christ, it means that in this life, we get the constant tormenting of the devil himself. You know, if you put all three of those things together, that we're born into sin, that we're going to spend eternity apart from God's love, and that this life we only have the torment of the devil, you know what that life is called? That's bondage. That's misery. That's despair. That's why Paul used the word slavery here. It's a life that no one wants. A life which does not enjoy being designed by the image bearer, but rather a life seeking fulfillment apart from the one who created us will never end in joy. Again, there's a reason Paul used the word yoke of slavery. It means that seeking joy in a life apart from Christ's freedom will attach us to something that never produces joy. So again, this morning, can we all agree? No one wants that life. So what is Christian freedom? It's God's gift for us to enjoy what he has purchased for us. Now, secondly, how is this freedom achieved? That is, what's the source of our joy? I think this could easily be skipped over because we know that the answer is found in Jesus, of course. Uh, But to skip over that really defeats the whole point of Reformation Sunday. So let's spend a minute thinking about how we received this joy. Let me state this very, very clearly, and it's as clear as it could be in your passage in verse 1. Our freedom from spiritual bondage is the result of one thing and one thing only. Christ sets us free. That's it. He did it. He is responsible. Jesus' ministry, all that he did, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, it's the only way we escape the bondage in which we were born into. He sets us free. And that is the point that must be reiterated time after time, year after year, Sunday after Sunday. That this gift of deliverance out of the misery of the old life is found only because of what Jesus has done. Please see, this was never the result of some clever idea that we had. It was never the result of some drop of goodness that was inside of us. This was not the result of the passiveness of God as he thinks of us. But no, this was the gracious gift of God to people. If I'm teaching this text correctly this morning, then every one of you should feel both offended and exalted at the same time this morning. You see, the implication is this. You were never good enough to have earned this freedom nor were you ever bad enough that he was unable to provide it. 
So be humbled, proud person. Your best effort in the eyes of the Lord got you nowhere. But be exalted, broken person. Your worst actions did not disqualify you in his eyes. Not in the past, not today. We are all equally in need of this deliverance, and he has delivered us equally. How did we get this? Christ gave it to us. He sets us free. We respond in faith to what he has done. Justification by faith recognizes that I am unable, so therefore he must be able. And amen, he is. You need to know that in in this passage, the original audience in Galatia were confused by false teachers who told them that Jesus and his ministry was not enough to purchase this freedom. Those believers were wrongly being taught that they actually needed Christ plus religious duty. And that was the Old Testament law that they needed in order to be found righteous. Now, that is a sermon for another day. We'll take that one up differently, different time. But here's the point for today that you must understand. Is that the principle of Jesus' ministry plus something else to make me feel like I have freedom is alive inside of every single one of us today. And that is why Paul is so declarative that you must stand firm against it. You know, of all of the great Martin Luther stories, and there are many and there are plenty of them that are funny. Uh, But one of my favorites is his actual discovery of grace. If you know much about Luther, you know that he tried to be the most devout human being who ever lived. Uh, you'll know that he longed not to be a sinner and to be pleasing to God. And he took matters into his own hands where he entered a monastery and became a monk where he could actually earn God's righteousness. He tried it. Let me read this quote to you uh, that he gives of himself and his effort to find freedom in Christ on his own works. Luther, I was a good monk. I kept my order so strictly that I could claim that if ever a monk were able to reach heaven by monkish discipline, I should have found my way there. All my fellows in the house who knew me would bear me out in this. For if it had continued much longer, I would with vigils, prayer, reading, and other works have done myself to death. You know what Luther was saying? I was going to read the Bible so much, I was going to pray so much, I was going to have visual so much that I was going to physically die as I tried to be righteous. What we love about Luther is that he went for it and he tried, but what he realized, the more religious he got, the more he realized what a sinner he was. So therefore, he was simply left in ongoing despair. That is bondage. Later in Luther's life, After the Lord had revealed the person of Christ through his spirit and his word, Luther said this, we do not perform, we receive. That's why we love Luther and why we celebrate his ministry on this day. We laugh at Luther because he's funny, because he's so honest. But what we learned from Luther was also true of Peter, was true of Paul, was true of Lydia, was true of Augustine, was true for every single one of us who know Christ. Christ sets sinners free, period. 
But again, there is a warning to the freedom found in Christ. And that is the major theme of Galatians. Please do not miss this. There is a temptation for every single one of us to think in our heart that I must contribute to this work. That in some way I need to feel good about myself. That I do something so that I can claim some level of responsibility. That's just how sinful our hearts are. You see, grace humbles us so much we don't want it to be true. I don't know what that something is for you. Maybe it's your devotional life. Maybe it's your involvement at church. Maybe it's evangelism. Maybe it's giving money. All great things, but please see. Those are not the source of your freedom in Christ. These are good things, but they are not the source of them. You see that if in your heart, your enjoyment of Christ's freedom is based on Jesus' righteousness and your giving of money, then please see that that giving is a declaration that Jesus' death was not enough. That is not what Jesus has done. So whatever that may be for you, please see, you'll never find joy when you're resting in what you have done. Only joy is found in what Christ has done. Okay, we have seen what freedom is. We've seen how it is achieved. Now, let's apply this. Why does freedom matter? Maybe a better question to ask, looking again at our verse, is why is Paul so mad at these Christians in Galatia? Again, I I beg you to see this morning how strongly Paul addressed his readers. Stand firm, therefore. This is an imperative commanding the followers of Christ to not return to this place of spiritual bondage. You see, please know this, that we believe to our very, very, very depths that you cannot actually lose your freedom. You cannot lose your justification. You can't lose your salvation. God's love is not conditional like that. However, we absolutely can lose the joy that comes with our salvation. That is this morning, you can feel like a slave even though you're a free person. You can think of yourself like a captive even though you've been set free. You can destroy yourself and others this morning when you fail to recognize what Jesus says is true of you. Paul is shouting from the rooftops. When you seek something in addition to Jesus for your freedom, then you become a slave of whatever that something is. And he's saying stand firm against that temptation. Why would you ever choose a life of bondage when you're free? Now, we are in the middle of a pandemic. I assume everyone here knew that. Uh, It's a pandemic which we all hope will be over very, very soon. Uh, Perhaps a vaccine is coming. I don't particularly want to be one of the first ones to take it, but if you do, then great. But here's what we do know from the last six months. A pandemic alters our normal lives. It creates anxiety. It creates unrest. It creates distrust. It creates tension. Can we all agree it's not how life is meant to be lived? Amen? Amen. But as I've prayed and wrestled with this passage this week, I could not quit thinking that today's followers of Jesus, throughout our world and TCPC included, 
I fear that we often live inside of a spiritual pandemic. And that is we recognize everything that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross and all that he did to make us free. But yet I sense we don't enjoy what he has done. And in that lack of joy, we find ourselves sick to the core. It's not that we aren't free, it's that we don't feel free. That is in our day-to-day, regular, boring, ordinary lives. It's hard to experience the joy that was purchased for us. Again, I sense this very well may be the great unspoken sickness in our lives today. If I were to ask you this morning, are you a joyful person? What would you say? I know I could say what Jesus would say is that I have given everything you need to experience joy. I encourage you to spend time later today or this week and trace through Paul's argument in Galatians 5 to see how this yoke of slavery is revealed in our lives. At the end of chapter 5, you'll see that spiritually free people act like spiritual slaves and that bondage is revealed in two tensions. It's found in one, how we relate to ourselves, and then secondly, how we look to other people to define our existence. You know, you think about it. If you're not fully trusting Jesus and what he says about us, we must by default look to someone else to define what is true of us. As humans, make make no mistake, we're going to let somebody tell us what's true of us. It will either be Jesus or it will be someone else. And I promise you, when that someone is other than Jesus, it will never end well in your life. When we compare ourselves to others, we will do so in hopes of one being better than them so we feel good. Or worse, we'll feel worse than they are and then we will find ourselves in despair and dejected. Either way, we're comparing ourselves to other sinners and not the great liberator. Let me tell you, when other people define your status in life, that is bondage. I don't care who it is. That is not the life Jesus purchased for you. That is not the freedom he has made available to you. That's not what this day or any other Lord's Day is about. What Paul is saying is Christ has set you free to therefore enjoy the freedom that he says you now have. It's his voice. It's his declaration. So therefore, you have to stand firm against what the lies of the enemy and the voices of others will say. You must fight against the temptation to find your enjoyment in this life based on what you or someone else says is true. You might be asking, what does this have to do with Reformation Sunday? What does living with joy have to do with this day? I thought justification was just about how you get to heaven. Oh, I hope you see. Jesus' love for you is not just about going to heaven. Yes, of course that's true. But his salvation for you is more than just that. You see, Jesus died for every detail of our lives. His kingdom is total and it is cosmic. It's larger than we could have ever imagined. What Luther initiated some 500 years ago, we see played out in the lives of Calvin and others where we see that Jesus is concerned about government and education and finance and all things. 
Justification by faith alone opens our eyes toward all that Jesus is about. And he is about all things of our life. And his ownership for us is the great miracle that we are now free from the voices of those who would dare harm us. Church, please see this morning. You no longer need to compare yourself to one another. To find satisfaction in your heart, it comes from what Jesus says is true of you. Now, I want to close this morning by offering an application to a particular group of people here this morning. I hope the principle will be applied to everyone, but I want to speak to one particular group to apply the principle of the Reformation. And again, I hope the Lord will use it for us all. But a group that I have a huge heart for are our, quote, young parents. Uh, I assure you, you know who you are. Uh, It's kind of like the pandemic. I didn't have to explain to you that it was true. Uh, The young parents are those here this morning who quit listening to this sermon a long time ago because they've been so distracted all along. Uh, But I've thought about this a lot over the years. You know, inside the evangelical church, inside of our church, there have been all kind of approaches for how we raise children. Back in our day, it was growing kids God's way to adoption, to shepherding hearts, all these things. They're all really, really good. And then, of course, there are all the questions about how to do schooling with children. From public school, private school, home school, or now hybrid school. There are all kind of different approaches to discipline of how to raise up boys and girls. Not to mention all the millions of ideas of sports and extracurricular activities and what are the ages to start. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Again, there's strengths to be found in all of these. But here's the point. Young parents, if your faith is in Christ to raise these children... You're free to do whatever you want to do. You're free. Your faith is in Christ. So now you are free. Enjoy your freedom. Don't listen to the voices of others. Enjoy the freedom that Jesus has given you. You are free. It doesn't matter what your friends think. It doesn't matter what they post on Instagram. It doesn't matter what you fear they might say about you. Hear the words of Jesus. And Jesus says of you, you're a child of the king. I love you. I died for you. You can do nothing to be more loved by me. Enjoy what I say is true of you. In his love for you, he has given you a church. He's given you his word. He's given you a spirit. He's given plenty of ways of counsel. Enjoy it. Enjoy him. Enjoy the freedom to trust Jesus, period. Now hear this, freedom in Christ will lead you on a journey of loving and serving others. And it will lead you on a journey away from constant comparing yourself to them. Now to everyone this morning, parents and non-parents alike, let your imagination run wild with this application of freedom. When you live by faith in Christ, you're free to love God and others with your money, with your retirement, with your family, with your neighbors, with your education or your lack thereof. You're free to have lots of friends. You're free to have few friends. You're free to be in ministry. You're free not to be in ministry. If you feel called to move to Colorado, then move to Colorado. If your friends enjoy leading a parish group, then you don't have to lead one because they do. If you want to pick up trash on Saturday mornings and you think God's leading you to do it, then go do it. But don't necessarily think I have to do it. 
Trust what Jesus has called you to do. I can't believe I'm saying this, but since Robert's not here, I'm just going to say it. You're free to work in the nursery. You're free not to work in the nursery. Assuming someday we'll have another nursery. It's what has Jesus said is true of you. Doesn't that feel good to our hearts? We're free. We're free to enjoy what Jesus has done. That's freedom. It's based on what he says. So again, Paul says, stand firm. Be alert. Stand guard. The enemy is out there. The devil and his schemes are committed to taking free people and making us live like slaves. And we must protest that. Jesus says, no, I made you free. For freedom, I have set you free. This is your new life. By God's grace, may we enjoy it. Now, we began with the Luther quote. I want to prepare us for the table with another quote from Martin. Listen again to these words which we have already sung, as as this will prepare us to come and feast with our Savior. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabahoth his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Church, he won. Enjoy what he has done. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare now to come to feast around your table, oh God, I pray now, as we prayed at the beginning, would you make us people who enjoy what you have given to us? Lord, thank you for the liberation of the old way of life that was empty. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who has set us free Oh, Father, would you do now what only the Spirit could do? Would you work joy in our hearts? Do that today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.